0: Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.
1: Now lean in and enjoy.
0: In the 90s, there was an every Sunday conversation. I got saved in about 1993 into a church that when you had an evening discussing sexuality with young people, it was called a leaders' meeting. When you um when you called people to come and do a hermeneutics course, it was called a leaders meeting. When you had, did a marriage evening or went away, as lead, everything was called a leaders meeting because everything was leadership and leadership was. Is this everything and all things in church, and then what happened in the 2000s, there's the big swing that's happened, we never talk about leadership, and when you do talk about leadership, it's generally in the negative, it's generally how bad they are, and it's generally like why we don't talk about leadership, but as we are releasing men and women on Friday night into the more of what God has for them, it's actually not about that, it's about what God is doing with us. And wherever God releases leaders in a story, he always precedes a mighty work of his hand, a mighty liberation story by releasing leaders in communities, and he raises them up out of nowhere, seemingly. Think of meek Moses, and it says in his story, the description of Moses is that, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. It's quite a statement, eh? It's like a definitive Every person on the earth and Moses. (laughs) Moses, you're going to lead my people. You're going to go face Pharaoh. You're going to lead my people out of slavery into wilderness and into freedom and life. Wherever God raises up leaders and releases leaders, he's on a mission and a mandate about the local church, about his kingdom advancing for more land and more of his glory because he's super jealous for his glory. And he'll use men and women, maybe sometimes the meekest in the land, to advance his kingdom story. Uh, he, he uses David, a kid who's been looking after the sheep, to slay a giant and brings him into a store and raises him up with this incredible king. He goes and he says, Jesus comes and invests himself in 12 dudes, 12 leaders. Leaders. And Jesus comes as a leader. He goes first, he goes into, he breaks open ground by laying down his life as a servant and models what leadership is in every way, shape, or form. But he invests himself in 12 dudes, fishermen, tax collectors, all these guys. He says, I'm going to release these leaders to the world. But he chooses young teenagers and invests himself into them. Why? Because there's a big story called the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. God wants to use them. And Nehemiah rebuilds the wall with the team. God raised him up in a foreign land, and in 52 days, the walls are built. What about courageous Deborah, the only female judge that ruled over Israel? And she was marked by courageousness in her story. God raises up men and women for times that his kingdom would advance. And they look different, sound different, but he's always raising up men and women to lead. There would be no Milniton Church story without a Gabriel and Fiona Phillips. I'm going to tell you that straight. We just couldn't do it. But God says, in Zimbabwe and then in Durban and then sent to Cape Town, I'm going to raise up leaders who are going to lay their life down to love people, serve them, and use the gifts upon their lives to do that. God says, and then, and then Paul says, cottons onto that, and in his ministry, he starts raising up leaders, and he chooses a guy named Timmy. It's a little timid Timmy. Says, stop being so timid, Timmy. Get some courage. Says, Timmy's got a little tummy bug. So Timmy, have some wine for your tummy, Timmy, because Timmy's mommy and granny raised him. Not the perfect mix for like a warrior, like leader. Ah, raised by his mommy and his granny, and Timmy lacked courage. And Timmy says, go become an evangelist, Tim. Go challenge the rich, Tim. Why? Because God's kingdom is advancing. He's chosen. He's anointed your hand to be upon you for this time. And I'm presenting all that because God is releasing leaders in most our midst and it's for us. And the celebration on Friday night is not for them. It's for us. They're going, we're going to lay our lives down. <laughs> we're going, we get the benefits. And my Life story, not my church story, my life story has been littered with leader encounters. And here's what most of them don't have any title in church. The first one was a guy named Bruce Dixon. He was a redhead. Know any of those? (laughs) A little thicker set than our one. He was three years ahead of me at school. He led the SEA and then was in my church. And when I was 16, I went on a men's camp. But this guy knew me, he'd known me for a long time. He was quite a tough guy, but he, I knew he was invested in me. He'd given me privilege. He had given me opportunity to share life. So when we went away to men's camp, he pinned me against the wall in a gentle kind of way one day. <laughs> and he said to me words that I've never forgotten. He said, always a joker, always a joke. He said, God's got things for your life, but if you're always gonna be the joker, your life will remain a joke maybe that sounds harsh but he was right because packaged inside a 16 year old young boy with small man syndrome was a learned behavior of making a joke of everything so that i never became the joke but the very strategy i had would have landed myself as the joke and a brother but a leader in my life with no title in church just involved in an SCA, got stuck in. Then another man named Cedric Fontaine, who was a youth leader, who him and I did not see eye to eye on anything in life at all. But he called a group of young people to worship Jesus. He called a group of young people to pray through the night in their school holidays. And I'm so grateful for that man. And then when my parents lost everything, a man named Rick Thompson got placed in my life. That when I worked my first shift at RJ's and I had no money, he ordered a 35 rand burger and left a 50 rand tip. In 1996, it was a lot of money. He was my life group leader. He's the same man who one day, because I was studying in the evenings and, and uh, my course would finish at half past nine at night, I would go visit my girlfriend at 10 o'clock, not a good idea, don't do it. But my phone rang at one o'clock in the morning. It said Rick Thompson. And I had a choice, ignore it, lie, do a whole bunch of things. But you're talking about the guy who kept a seat for me in his house when I had nothing to offer him, I was younger than him. I smelt from a rugby practice and he knew I was gonna eat his food. When that guy phones you at one in the morning, the conversation goes like this, where are you? And there's a million things that go through your mind right in that moment. But you know your car's on Manning Road. So you say, I'm at Candice's house and uh, then he just says get in your car and go home you know that is not anything other than fighting for your future you know that as a leader who's prepared to have a difficult conversation with a young man that could have gone a number of ways but underpinning that is authentic love and care and then others derek andrews i went i'm just telling you a story where i went i thought well this girl my wife got saved and about two months later we were dating but in that process one of my friends told me he was gonna date her so i told him he had three weeks she's my wife now and um (laughs) and i thought the right thing to do is go to my home group leader named derek andrews and say derek i'm here i'm mark i'm dating candace so i did that i went to her life group and um and i said hey i'm mark i was 21 at the time eating way too much creatine I said derek i'm dating candace i just wanted to let you know and be accountable he said that's fine he started prophesying to my life i'd never preached a sermon i'd never led worship i was the kid who was always on the naughty line he started speaking to my life he started prophesying that god had called me to lead people get my life together start making decisions for jesus and serving him two months later i was leading a life group because a man saw something inside of me a leader who had prayed for me i know that now i didn't know that then for a long time spoken to my life and then i've had other leaders another leader named rory Dyer, who is now my very good friend if not one of my best mates but he's my leader as well and uh, and he used to i didn't ever wanted to be a pastor but he used to minister and he would do the spirit finger thing and walk around and ask people to close their eyes and he would tell everyone close your eyes you know what i did i didn't close my eyes. Why? Because I was learning from a leader how to love people. In a format and forum I never knew would be my thing. But I wanted to love people the way he loved people. And so I don't know what your leadership journey or view is. It's generally people who've had a long church story that have leadership issues, unfortunately. Maybe you've experienced untouchable leadership. Don't come near to me. This is my thing. That's your world. Maybe you have been in the man of God world, where somehow it's Jesus, the man of God, and then the people. Let me tell you, it's underpinned by a value called honor, which I think is good, but it's overplayed to the point that you are exposing that man of God or woman of God to danger. Because your over honor places them in a space outside of the body where they are exposed more than they should ever be never do that don't do it because you think you're honoring but you're actually hurting someone maybe there's other leaderships you've experienced or the elusive leader or even the abusive leader in 25 years of church i've experienced them all and yet god has profoundly used this thing called leadership that has become a swear word in our world as leaders fail time and time again to fashion and shape my life. And when I look at the word, throughout the word of God, there's this reality that although it's become unpopular in our age, it's popular in the Bible. And I wanna say three things and I was gonna argue them and present them. But three things, number one, leadership is biblical. And throughout scripture there, wherever there's a great move of God, there's generally an accompanying leader of God who is raised up for the time. And Paul writes to Timothy, he says, if anyone desires to be an overseer, it is a noble thing. That wasn't for hundreds of years ago, that's still for now. And families are making decisions to serve you and love you in ways you might never know. I've watched this man cry tears over some of your lives. Asking, should I phone, shouldn't I phone? Should I go, shouldn't I go? What can we do? It's a gift. And when we would receive it as a gift, it will be a blessing. But when we are unable to receive it as a gift in our lives, and please, I'm also not just saying in the church, the emphasis is in the church, and in these scriptures, the emphasis is in the church, but I believe God also raises up men and women in our world. For me, it was a lady named Sheila McCarthy, who was the toughest corporate lady I've ever met. And I worked for her, and I found favor with her. But I remember a day as a young guy in corporate where I signed off a a design that, because I signed it off, no one else checks it. And they ran that print. And 600,000 rands worth of point of sale in 2002 had to be thrown away. And I remember I got called to Sheila's office as the marketing director. I was shaking in my boots. You didn't mess with this, auntie. I walked in the office she said I heard what happened yeah she said have you learned your lesson I said I think so She said okay don't do it again then that was the lady who backed my career in the marketplace as an unbeliever who didn't believe in God and told me that many times was the reason I found favor for years you can receive from leadership many shapes or forms God gives the gifts Secondly, leadership is theological. And um, 1 Timothy 3 lays it out in terms of the description of overseers, but it's in the word, and poor theology also stops us receiving from good leadership. Poor theology around leadership. And the problem is, we have experiences like anything. Bad experience of marriage, mm, marriage is bad. Bad experience of, mm, had the pastor's kids and life kids this week, never having kids ever. Uh, 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 gave once at church, never doing that again, when hungry the next week. No, that's not how we live. We live in submission to the Word of God and His truth, and in the Word, throughout the Word, God is raising, releasing leaders for a time such as this, so that His people may thrive. Lastly, leadership is contextual and it's worked out because it's theologically it's effectively contextual in every way and Ephesians 4 speaks apostles prophets preachers and there are those gifts being raised up in our midst at this time for different things so that the kingdom of God can advance but it's raised up contextually because what works in Japan doesn't always work in South Africa God's I'm going to raise up leaders for this time for the kingdom of God to advance so I wanted to present this morning and take a moment because we never talk about these kind of things. We do it at our linked course, our partnership course, and we don't speak. But we have a leadership team. It looks like this. We have an eldership team. Gabe is an elder. It's a weird word. (laughs) Let's just call it what it is. It's weird. That's why we don't use it much. That's why we choose to use pastor and because we also have a much broader base of pastors just within our pastoral team. There's a smaller team called an eldership team whose primary role in this story is to guide, govern, and guard the forward movement of the kingdom of God through this local church called Life Changes. To guide, to govern, and to God, to guide theologically, to guide in prayer, to guide the doctrine, to guide the formats, to guide the... And behind us, there are guys called apostles, prophets, and teachers who speak into our lives. Like that guy on that screen named Craig Clark, who you don't know, but what you also don't know is how influential they have been in our story. And when we need help and we need, we get these guys in to help us, and not just then, we'll send them the finances, we'll send them what we're preaching, we're sending, hey, we're thinking of bringing these guys onto eldership, what do you think, will you meet with them, will you speak to them, do you know them? Yes, we know them, these are our thoughts, these are our opinions, to guide, to govern, yes, actually the Bible says the government will rest on his shoulders, Prince of Peace. It's not the other way around. You don't get peace before you take on the government. Church needs government and God says, what government looks like, looks like a family. I'm gonna raise up some men and women. I'm gonna put some gifts upon their lives like a gift of leadership to lead at this time. And some of them are gonna be older. Some of them are gonna be younger. Some of them got very short hair. Some of them got a bit more hair. It's what it is. Some have grown up in Zambia and Zimbabwe and Durban. It doesn't matter. God raises for such a time as this. To God, to govern and to God. You don't always know the battles that are being fought behind the scenes for what God wants to do in this place. You don't know, and that's fine. But there are battles that are fought to God, what God would do here. They're battles that are fought to keep releasing young people. They're battles that are fought to keep fighting and pioneering. They're battles that are fought. Most of those battles are fought at six o'clock on a Tuesday morning, winter or summer. Why is my heart sad and sore? Because a family called the Fund of Estes and has moved to England because in the middle of winter, a man used to get on his bicycle in Malkbos because they had one car at the time and he would ride through to table view to come and pray in the freezing cold and pitch up there with stuff on him and cold and why? Because there is a guarding story. That God says, I've called for this season for this time. It's not a life sentence. But I'm going to raise gift Friday night as a celebration because you get all of that. You get it. Whether you want it or not, you get it. And if this is your story, it's part of the privilege. See, what I will tell you about leaders in this story, as God raised up an eldership team, there's also a massive leadership team called deacons and, and leaders and people stepping into more. And, and within that story, it's a much broader base that God is raising up men and women to lead and some lead teams to set up because we need that. Some lead prayer teams and and Warren and the team come through to table you this morning to come help us launch prayer teams and intercessory teams because God's got pastors and leaders in our community. You didn't even know they got up earlier than you to be there to pray for that team and then to come and worship with you because that's what leaders do. They serve. And you probably hate me for saying that, but thank you but I will tell you about all of these leaders at every level they're not perfect (laughs) actually far from it sometimes they're not the finished article and they're not Jesus there's no special seats there's no special parkings and there's no special privileges don't get Mulligans from mess-ups no it's we're family and I'm in this family you try make me above this family I will fight you why i tell people not to call me pastor mark because the minute you put a title i'm going to put a title on your story otherwise i'm different and there are these qualifications for this just so you know there's a a run sheet a a what does it look like for this guiding governing and guarding well there's a whole bunch of titus one 1 Timothy 3, Peter 5, Acts, it's all these, story, these, these kind of mandates. And, and first of all, the biggest one, what you won't find there is gifting. Got to be a very gifted worship leader. To be in. No, it's all character. Let me give you some of them. And I want to read it from 1 Timothy 3. Here is a trustworthy saying. Paul's writing to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, raise up leaders because churches are popping up everywhere. And if they don't get leaders, they're going to become chaos because chaos won't, sir, there won't be peace. Will ensue. I don't know what ensue means, but ensue. 1 Timothy 3. Here is a trustworthy saying Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap (laughs) i read that with fear and trepidation and that's why when we make announcements like we're bringing people onto eldership please feedback please give concerns if you had it's because we mean it and we want to hear it and there's however many hours on a Sunday versus just hours. And we ask questions and we provoke, but there's a journey. This is what it looks like. Above reproach, living a life of example, husband of one wife. That's easier to kind of measure out most of the time. Not always, you'd be surprised. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable. You can go to Gabe and Fiona's house anytime, anytime. (laughs) Able to teach. Kind of getting used to this thing here. Um, not addicted to wine not pugnacious or quick-tempered uncontentious free from the love of money managers own household a good reputation with outsiders is important it's important it's why when we even process all this I will speak to guys who've employed guys before I'll have conversation I want to know because this is the Bible I don't get to choose what leaders look like I don't get to choose on what standards we promote and oh, I like them I like that they like that they support Liverpool mm. no you don't get it's the Bible Ezra. that's why we have to be the same who would allow holding faithful to the world and there are other things like competence ability to lead and having gifts that are competence and training in life there's a, chem- a chemistry reality that we work well together and step into there is a a, a courage reality This will be and continue to be as God has spoken and prophesied a courageous story. We'll keep pioneering. We'll keep sending people out. We'll keep hosting conferences like a drug addiction conference. Breaking the cycles of brokenness and addiction in our nation like we did this weekend. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. But it demands courage. So we need leaders of courage. Brett and Shelley are leaders of courage. there's been a delay in the release of this couple because there was a courageous journey required and i came to your church and i said they will become leaders and then i came to you two weeks later and i said there's going to be a delay it's not easy and i want to honor this amazing couple is unbelievably special to this church and unbelievably courageous and you have not taken one step backwards and your family we love and we honor and we receive gifts your gifts to this church and the last one is calling that God has to be in it they've got to feel it the church has to feel it it's like it's random we're going to plug and uh, uh, uh. that's why we don't plug and play and I'm not saying never but we want to raise people up Tyler is not here so let's just be honest if you've known him for any number of years you will know that he was a punk You can tell him I said that. But a 15 year old guy encountered Jesus. Came from a radically broken home. Broken to the point that during matric, he had to stay in Wally Gerstmeyer's house, the house I now live in, so he could finish matric with some measure of stability. Then proceeded to live in 17 other homes in the life of this church, as men and women have invested, loved, sacrificed, and sown their lives into him. But that process is a God process. Where now we receive a gift, we receive a leader who with courage and passion steps into more to win. And it's not common in the church. And I thank you, Jesus, for the gifts that you gave. He hasn't come on as some junior, whatever. He comes on as a leader to speak. But when God gives you leaders, I wanna tell you leaders are a gift. It's quite interesting speaking this when I am a leader in this place. I was preparing this morning, laughing and cringing half the time. Like, am I really going to say this? Because although I'm, I'm saying it's about myself, I feel awkward. But I know that in my life, where I've opened myself up to leaders, even leaders who failed me in the past, unintentionally intent, doesn't matter. But God has done things in my life through that process that I'm so grateful for. I'm not asking for free passes. I'm not saying we're going to overlook bad leadership. Don't care what I'm not saying. But do you receive it as a gift or a burden? Is it a gift or a burden? Even Friday nights, they thought, well, ah, how will I get the most out of this? See, I want to speak from Hebrews 13 for a few moments. And Paul is encouraging and he's speaking to a church who are tired. They're tired. They've been fighting battles. They're tired and and he's been speaking to a whole bunch of things he's presented the heroes of the faith he's presented jesus the pioneer and perfecter of their faith It's all of the stuff and then he at the end he's like a shotgun you know your last kind of book It's like have good marriages and get order there and love your children and boom boom and leaders and this he just shotguns and there's four statements around leadership in that last chapter and this is it verse seven this is one of the statements paul's speaking to this church in hebrews He's speaking to the church in Hebrews and he says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This scripture freaked me out. The first time I got off to speak was at a foundations course at Glenridge. I phoned Paul Spooner at 11 o'clock the night before. I said, I won't do it. He said, what do you mean you won't do it? I said, I don't want to do it. He said, why? He says, "No, people are actually going to listen to me. And I know that there are challenges in my life that still needs to be. I said, get over yourself and preach the word of God. He <laughs> says, remember, which means think of their lives. I remember their thoughts. And I remember Paul Spooner. I remember the night he invited me for free food at his house, which sounded great. Although the food was over in half an hour. And then he preached about the nations for two hours. <laughs> and at the time I was like, you are irritating me. 20 years later, there's something inside me that burns for the nations. Because a man provoked my life. See, who spoke the word of God to you. Maybe you've got leaders in your life. There are also scenarios in the church. People open up many other leaders to lead in their life, but don't have leaders who speak the word of God to you. Make sure you have leaders who speak the word of God to you. They might not be on TVs, and they might not be on airwaves, but make sure they speak the word of God to you. It says, consider, which means look again and again and again and again at their lives. Consider and then imitate their faith. Not their lives or them, their faith. And Rory Dyer would ask 1,500 people to close their eyes and begin to walk around and begin to minister. You know what I did? I kept my eyes open and I watched. Not because I ever thought I'd become a preacher. Actually, I never wanted to be at that time. But I knew that I wanted to love people the way he loved people. Let's imitate their faith. Businessmen in the church, if you want to be a businessman, consider and imitate. Push your way into their lives. Don't, oh, I'm praying that maybe they'll phone me for a coffee, no. Get in their lives and allow their lives to impact your life. He says, and imitate verse 17 here's an interesting one obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give, have to give an account let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you obey and submit are not popular words in our world let's just agree it's like you put don't put that on me I'm just reading the Bible just reading the Bible Sub- obey means actually in our culture but in our culture of anti-authoritarianism post-modernism all the both of these ideas of obedience and submission are not pop- popular but they are Bible and we need to go do work and understand that I can choose what's popular I can choose what's eternal because the scripture follows over, it says, because they keep watch, which is a word of agrupnia, which literally means to abstain completely from sleep, painless, sleepless nights, to be sleepless, to lie awake and to think about. Whether the lights in that thing work or not does not keep me up at night. With the new projector, Brett, put in the ceiling at table view this week, which is awesome, fell off the roof today, that's not gonna, it didn't. But, but it, that doesn't keep me up at night. Whether the coffee is great or it's not great, that doesn't keep me up at night. You know what keeps me up at night? Faces. Some who are around and some who aren't. Some who like me and some who don't. Faces. Says says, watch over your soul. It's a high mandate. And again, you don't know when he sat in front of me and cried over your lives and when we've lost some people and when we fought for others and they didn't want to be fought for that's what keeps me up at night it's called the privilege of leadership and it says because they will give an account there's an account and you're not responsible for that account There's a God in heaven. Bunty's looking at me with big eyes. (laughs) Stay calm, Bunty. But there is an account. And I'm very aware that there will be an account to how we lead the tenderness of our touch. I never wanna be a heavy handed pastor. I've experienced it and it's not because I've experienced that I push against it because when I look at Jesus, he was gentle. The brothers we want to be first we want to sit next to jesus how do we do that if i was jesus haven't you been listening what does jesus do actually want to be first become a servant says let them do this with joy i know this guy and the leadership team here and we lead this church with joy this is an easy church to lead but let us continue to fight for that and a major key in that is allowing ourselves to receive the gift of leadership. It says in verse eighteen, complicated verse, Paul says, "Pray for us." You you want to receive the gift of leadership and find it blessing in your life? Pray for your leaders. Pray for your work leaders. Pray for them. Stop moaning about your boss and speaking to men about your boss more than your boss. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to get confused trying to say that. But um, Gabriel's laughing. Pray for your boss. And pray for your leaders oh they don't pray for me he hasn't sent me a, I'm praying for you SMS in two weeks he's obviously not praying for me she obviously haven't thought of me no grow up and pray for them maybe they haven't prayed for you I don't know <laughs> says and, and uh, it, it, he it continues in the story then lastly simple thing greet all your leaders and the Lord's people so here's the implication to greet means to pull out a sword and do like a salute Here's the implication. You actually have to know them. Oh, they haven't phoned me for a coffee. Well, get in their world. Take them a meal. Have had a baby with colic for the last couple of months. Sometimes he's come and preach every Sunday morning and he's had two hours sleep. Pray for them. Love them. Greet them. But here where I think the emphasis should also be and all the lord's people please don't hold any man or woman because of a title attached to their name in any other order greet order leaders and all god's people oh i'm an introvert and i don't like people his wife said that to me many years ago and i don't know anyone who's loved as many people in this church as that amazing lady why because it's god's work in our lives so how do you biblically receive well I will tell you you need to get healed if you have a story of brokenness find yourself in the presence of God ask God the lessons and learnings you need to learn forgive and make phone calls and write letters if you need to forgive then get back in the ring because you never know what God has for your story I remember meeting this guy and his mate in Durban years ago and a leader had absolutely blown them out the water I think the statement was something like you have said what well, to Richard Richard who's leading it in church in America a leader said to him you have literally set the work back in Tanzania in the Congo by 10 years <laughs> you're 19 years old in the Congo preaching the gospel and a leader comes to you and says you've set the work back 10 years <laughs> stay here you're not allowed outside of the compound and I've got this young Richard I don't know what I've done No, he had to get healed he had to get hold so that God could move him send him to the nation so the kingdom of God could come and I want to share one see my story is littered with leadership intervention I want to share one scripture that has caught me recently the context of this is one Kings David is dying David the king is dying and his sons are jostling we're gonna take the throne and one son's gone, and the others are pitching themselves up to take that throne. And Adonijah does an embarrassing thing. He's a young, he says, "I'm going to take that throne." He positions himself. He starts jostling, as young men do, for profile and promotion, as young men do. And it goes like this: Now Adonijah, whose mother was Haggath, put himself forward and said, "I will be king." You ever said that? I've said that. I should have got that promotion. I should have been in that team. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to rush to run ahead of him. He pulls other people into his self-promotion story. His father had never rebuked him by asking, why do you behave as you do? He was also very handsome and was born next to Absalom. It's amazing that David was many things. a credible king, worshiper. He wasn't a good father. And his son paid the price. This Adonijah had to go and ask his brother to get married who became king he had to go and ask his brother could he live in the land how embarrassing because he'd stuck his hand up instead and the Bible says in brackets his father never rebuked him by asking why do you behave as you do what if someone came to you today in this community and said my mate why do you behave as you do with your wife he did that with me once Why do you behave as you do with your boss why do you behave as you do with your children why do you behave as you do see adonijah ended up in chaos because no one specifically the the father he had who should have stepped in the story just asked didn't ask him why do you behave as you do what if the person who asked that question is younger than you or what if they're a lot older than you but what if it's a god question that could save embarrassment brokenness and chaos See you'll only know that later down the line i'm grateful for bruce dixon rick thompson rory dyer stan phipps heather phipps she was scary i'm grateful for these people because they were leaders who were prepared to interfere in my space at their own inconvenience time i was eating their food on their couch taking their time they fought for something that they saw in me that I never saw in myself and I promise you outside of God's intervention in my life through his leaders and his people I wouldn't be here today my marriage wouldn't be what it is today and neither will yours if you stay closed to leadership is a burden now open yourself up and come celebrate on Friday night because it's not about them it's about you it's about the kingdom of God in this city and what he wants to do you don't know how much this guy loves you how he raves about you how your story has fashioned so much of what has happened in our story how courage came into his heart to keep challenging people to not stay together before marriage because it's right and it's god's best you're an incredible testimony on this story but you opened yourselves up and then one day when we got the worst phone call of your life we were with you and that was a privilege too we love you can we close our eyes please i unfortunately we have to go back to table view it's not unfortunate it's part of our story but i love being here and i love what god is doing i'm going to hand over to gabe in a second all i'm asking is will you allow your life to be fashioned by the word of god Will you allow imperfect people who worship a perfect king to get in your space a bit and ask questions like, why do you do what you do? Maybe that question will save years of chaos, cycles of sin, and bring freedom and life and joy. And you know what will happen? The kingdom of God starts advancing. That's all we want. I will tell you, It is the greatest privilege of my life to lead in God's house. And I'm very aware he could take it away tomorrow, but I count it an incredible privilege. I also count an incredible privilege that I have leaders in my life who are prepared to step into my face and ask, why do you do what you do? Come and pray.
1: Exceptional job, Mark, thank you. I just i will pray now just uh, just to let you know we've got a colic baby which i didn't even know was a thing i always thought it was a mythical thing people made up until the baby cried nonstop. and uh and it's been a tough little season but i, I honestly do count it the privilege of god because since we've had a tough baby who doesn't sleep and my wife and i play tag every night tag you're it we'll see you in an hour after an hour of sleep and you have to walk with the baby crying for an hour. You're like it's your turn my hours up and um those hours though i've I, I why well, I count it as a privilege because I've grown in my prayer life like never before. Honestly. I've not praying just for the for the baby, praying for people. Because if I don't, I go mad in my head, walking a baby, crying. I go mad. So I prayed and I've just made it a habit to pray for, for through people in this church and communion. Pray, God. And I'll tell you the one prayer that I pray. Ongoingly, I, yes, there's circumstances we talk about. Waymaker, I pray for situations to change, for marriages, for families, for people to fall pregnant, for finances. I pray those things, but I promise you the prayer that I pray is Ephesians 4, which just follows on about God giving gifts to the church, it says, so that we'd all grow up into the fullness, the full measure of who Jesus has got for us. And I pray that actually, that one day we'll get, when we get to the end of our lives, we'll always say, we won't have regret saying, Oh, we never stepped into the fullness that God had for us. We gathered for so many years, and we did life, but we never went into the fullness of what God had for us. And I want to tell you, maybe you come to church, and church, maybe this is your first Sunday, or you have come coming for years, and church can be, ah, the worship was great this week because the band were on form, or, ah, six out of ten this week. They didn't sing my song. Or the preacher was great, but, oh, have you seen this other guy on YouTube? That preacher. Well, if only we had that charismatic preacher. Then it will be amazing. Now, church is great. Yes, worship and the Word is important, but I'm telling you, what you cannot get anywhere else is the gathering of the saints. Community together, family together, fashioning one another. I want to say that our inheritance lies within one another. I want to tell you, I'll say it again, your future, growing up to the fullness of God, what God has got to you for you. It doesn't say, the scripture doesn't say they heard enough sermons or they got the right worship moment or God did this amazing thing where they fell on the floor and God did, those things are important. But the scripture said God gave gifts, He gave people, He gave one another to each other so that we would grow up into the fullness. So you want fullness in your life? You need men and women in your lives. Open your lives up. And I pray that for myself. I don't want to miss out. So Father, we've heard your word this morning. As you're maturing us as a people. As you're giving us gifts, Father God. But more than just this moment, you're calling us, God, to maturity. And I thank you, Father God, would we lay aside agendas? Would we lay aside issues? Would we lay aside offense? because those things are only robbing us from the fullness you've got for us. So Father God, I thank you today. Would we step into the more that you've got for us by submitting to one another in love, opening our lives up, speaking truth to one another, not delaying that conversation that we know we should have. Father God, I thank you, give us courage Men and women here, I thank you Father God that you're raising up leaders in this, in this house, in this church, in Life Change Milton, in a, in a cold hall in Seamount Primary School. I thank you raising up leaders even here this morning that are gonna affect the nations. You're raising up people who've discounted themselves that are gonna affect this nation and this city in business, in the creative industry, in arts and culture, in, in the media, God. I thank you, you're raising up men and women in this church to affect this city, this nation, this world because that's what you do. So I thank you, Father God. We bring all our needs, all our prayer requests, all our desires before you, and we lay them at your feet and say, Jesus, we want to mature and grow up into the fullness you have for us. So I pray this again, not just at three in the morning, but I pray it now in front of every single person here, God, grow us up to the fullness of who you are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.